week, there were three foundational scriptures that we were teaching from in John chapter 13, John chapter 14, and Matthew 22, where Jesus was saying, there's a new commandment that I give you, a new mitzvah, which is commandment in the Hebrew, a new commandment I give you to love one another as I have loved you. Somebody say love. Love one another as I have loved you because by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Then John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then we ended our foundational reading in Matthew 22 where Jesus says, out of the commandments, the greatest are these two. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. All of the law and all of the prophets rest on these two commandments. Thus we get the series, Love Is. And I really believe that most of us are like, okay, I understand that I'm supposed to love God with everything I have, with all I got. I get that. I'm working on it. I'm not there yet, but I understand that I'm supposed to love God with everything I have. I understand that. Then others of us are like, okay, I even understand God's love for me. That used to be a battle because I used to wonder how could an awesome and a miraculous and a good God love somebody as bad and as wicked as me? Anybody ever been there? How in the world that by the grace of Jesus, I deserve an F, but he's given me an A. That used to be hard for me to believe and grasp until I understand that through his death, burial, and resurrection, I no longer have to be plagued by that orphan spirit. Through, through repentance, I have been adopted, and now God calls me son. Through repentance, God now calls me daughter. Through repentance, he calls me a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. I could address God as Abba Father because the blood still works. That's not old school, that's Bible. The blood still works. I understand that I'm supposed to love God with all I got. And I'm supposed to understand that God loves me, but my issue is, how am I supposed to use the same heart that was broken to love again? That part. Like, how am I supposed to use the same heart that was broken and that was betrayed by a Judas kiss, love again? And for some of us, you didn't just get a Judas kiss. You got like Judas kisses. It's not... Singular, it's plural. Like you got Judas kiss after Judas kiss after Judas kiss after Judas kiss. And the reason the Holy Spirit has guided for us to go this route, because most of us, if we be honest, we would say, okay, most of the bruises that are on my heart. Ooh, can we be real? Most of the bruises that I place on other people's heart. See, see, because it's not always them. Sometimes it's us. The biggest red flag is when you can't see that you're one. <laughs> That's a whole other sermon. But, but, but most of us were like, okay, most of the bruises that were placed on my heart were not given to me by people who I knew were enemies. They were given to me by people who said, I love you. How, how do I still love with that? How do I still display God's love with that? How do I still trust with that? How do I still surrender with that? How do I still have a heart of generosity with that? You're talking about give? All I have known was takers. I'm not giving nothing. I'm trying to keep the parts of me I have left. How do I love with that? How do I give with that? And the reason we're going this route is because I'm very passionate about being a servant to the body. And as a pastor, I wanted to wear, okay, if you change, let your change be because your mind has been enlightened by the gospel versus you changing because your heart was broken. It's going to get real in here on today. Has anybody arrived to this place where like, okay, if I had to choose, 
I'd rather a bold enemy that attempts to use a dagger than a fake cowardly friend that uses a kiss. Anybody or is it just me? Like, I don't want either one. But if I had to choose, I want to clear who my enemy is. I want, a, I want a bold enemy that attempts to use a dagger than a fake cowardly friend that uses a kiss. That's how people catch hands. <laughs> we have to understand, though, vengeance is the Lord. You know why we should never try to exercise revenge? Because revenge causes for them to get you to suffer twice. You already suffering in your heart. Now you're going to suffer in your mind too? I want us to be where if we're going to change, it's because our mind has been enlightened by the power of the scriptures versus changing because your heart was ever broken. Everybody under the sound of my voice has been affected by these two things, either what happened to you or what didn't happen to you. Our personality right now is because of who loved us or because of who didn't love us. And so what God wants to do on this afternoon is he wants to redeem back to the hearts of his people the attribute of love. I want to display my love through my children. I want to display grace through my children. I want to display mercy through my children. I even want to display goodness through my children. But what the Holy Spirit was telling me during prayer and during sermon prep is due to the resume of pain, due to the resume of hurt, due to the resume of a Judas kiss, my children are clogged conduits where I can't flow through them, my love, so that they could display it. It's been clogged by pain. And I need for them to heal because there's people, there's spaces, and a place I have to take them to. And there's a certain personality type that they're going to need for their assignment. There's a, per there's a certain level of love that they're going to need for their assignment, but it has been robbed due to a Judas kiss. Judas kiss. And if we don't heal right in this area, if we don't recover right in this area, betrayal will hand us paranoia and chronic suspicion. Is this good? I know it's going to be a tearjerker for some because somebody's going to get set free on today. Somebody's going to stop judging and stop being bitter. I want you to be free from that. If we don't recover right, betrayal will hand us paranoia and chronic suspicion. What is that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Chronic suspicion is the bandage the heart wears once it has been stabbed by somebody we formerly trusted. Everybody's a suspect. First time visitors, it's your first time here. I might be a suspect. Let me see when he mentioned money. <laughs> Not listening to receive, listening to interrogate. Because of former pain, chronic suspicion. And I have to say this, paranoia is not discernment. Some of us are walking around saying, I got the gift of discernment. No, you have the wound of paranoia. Like, for an example, discernment is, okay, this bread doesn't smell right. I see that there's some mold behind the good parts of bread. Because discernment is the ability to see the thing behind the thing. And since you can smell it and see mold on the bad, even though they're good loaves up front, you decide, I'm going to throw it away. That's discernment. Paranoia is, I'm never eating bread. <laughs> All bread causes cancer. I'm done with bread. I'm vlogging about bread. I'm doing a podcast about bread, a YouTube channel about bread. Do you eat bread? <laughs> Y'all see the difference? Paranoia is not discernment. And hear me, betrayal fogs the mind to see the sincere. Somebody got it. Ooh, betrayal. I love it. It does. Betrayal fogs the mind to see the sincere. So you can't see John the Beloved 
because of your Judas the betrayer. All men are dogs. Because <laughs> the one you had barked. All women want my money. Because the one you had, she take my money. <laughs> Suspicion. Am I telling the truth? Betrayal fogs the mind. And many of us, you know why we're so upset? Because we were called crazy for discerning what actually turned out to be true. And your spirit was like, that was me. How do I love with the same heart that has been broken? Because something happens. Please hear me. Something happens to the heart of a man and something happens to the heart of a woman. When what we thought was genuine, we find out was artificial. And what I'm simply articulating to you on this afternoon, in-house and watching online, is when you learn how to sit at the table with Judas, is to learn how to love like Jesus. Okay? I know we're not going to get claps today. I just want people to heal. When you learn how to wash Judas' feet, that's when you have learned the love of Jesus. I want to show you several passages of Scripture. I used to like to break them down later. I want to kind of break these down as we go. So if we can go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, we're going to launch our reading at verse 14. If you do not have a tangible Bible, it will be projected for you on the screen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Oh, I hope y'all ready for this. If y'all ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. See, some of us missed it. Oh, it's about to get real. Look, verse 15. How much will you pay me to betray Jesus? How much will you pay me to betray Jesus? I'm not going to do this for free. How much will you pay me? And from that point on, he looked for an opportunity. Y'all missed it. How much will you pay me to betray? From that moment on, he looked for an opportunity. Mm. Opportunist trafficking betrayal. Because the only reason they're there is because of what you could pay me. The morning breath of an opportunist is betrayal. <laughs> What is your 30 pieces of silver? See, because if you really look at the text, you'll see Judas is us. What's your 30 pieces of silver? Is it an orgasm exchange with somebody you're not married to? What's your 30 pieces of silver? Is it literally more money, a bigger paycheck? So you would try to use the gospel to fill your bank? Holla if it hurts. What is your 30 pieces of Silver, I mean, Judas did it for 30 pieces. <laughs> Some of us do it for free. <laughs> what are you going to pay me? Because I'm an opportunist. I'm not really here. Like, I wonder. I understand that Judas, it was already forecasted that he was going to be the son of perdition. I understand that. But I wonder, was there ever a time where Judas was trying to get sincere, but because he saw the crowds, his opportunistic heart didn't allow him to follow faithfully? I wonder how committed some of us really are to Jesus, or are we committed to opportunities? All it takes is the right opportunity and there is my 30 pieces of silver. I'm going to keep going. Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with the crowd of men. 
armed with swords and clubs, they had been sent by the leading priest and the elders of the people. So these people were sent by church people. Verse 48, the traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed. That's what the text says. He exclaimed, so he's probably kind of happy. Greetings, Rabbi. And he gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. That had to haunt Judas. So, okay. My friend, do what you have come for. Now, this, this, this is something that I've kind of touched before, but I never saw it this way. Why did he have to kiss him? Like, we talked about this weeks ago. John chapter 13, verse 27. I want y'all to see this. This messed me up. I said, Tanisha, I never saw this. John chapter 13, verse 27. It says, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. Okay. So, Judas is walking in the garden, inspired by Satan. Indwelled with Satan. And the emotion... The action that, like, you could have spit on him. You could have hit him and said, this is the one. You could have pushed him. You could have just pointed at him. But out of all of the actions that Satan decided to use to betray Jesus, he used a kiss. The reason this messed me up is because a lot of us think the devil likes to attack. This text is showing me devils like to kiss. Ooh, who's been kissing on your neck? Who, who's been kissing on your cheek? We're going to keep it clean. There are other parts that people have been kissing on, and we don't even recognize devils like to kiss. <laughs> they don't like to just assault with a hit. I want a trick with a kiss. I want to use a sign of affection that's really dedicated for intimacy. The only man that could ever kiss me that I wouldn't look at twice is my daddy. That's it. I'm saved. Brothers, don't try me. <laughs> there has to be a level of intimacy for you to kiss me. Out of all of the ways you could have said, this is it. Why a kiss? See, when the devil can't stop you, can't stop Jesus. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's causing for the blind to see. He's causing for the lame to be able to walk. People are touching the hem of his garment and they're getting healed. When the devil can't stop you, he'll try to stall you with pain. So no, you're not going back to the club, but you're not pursuing purpose because you're hurt. If I can't stop you, I'm going to stall you with pain. I'm going to stall you with that divorce. I'm going to stall you with that church hurt. I'm going to stall you with what they said. I'm going to stall you from what your mama said. I try to stall you with pain. If I can't stop you, I try to stall you. When hell can't stop you, the devil prescribes heartbreak. It hurts. When it's somebody's feet you wash, calling you friend and kissing you. Jesus calls him friend. Now, we're going to go over to Acts chapter 1. Is this good so far? Yeah. All of this is set up. You gotta, I have to teach for a little bit. Acts chapter 1, verse 16. Now, usually we quickly go to Pentecost. I'm like, why are we preaching always Acts 2? Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. All of that's great. We need that. But we don't get that until we first address Acts 1. Look, Acts 1, chapter 16. Acts chapter 1, excuse me, verse 16. It says, brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those 
who arrested Jesus. Look, this is before the power of the Holy Spirit. This is before next level. A lot of us want next level, but you haven't addressed Judas yet. God, I want a miracle. I want the power. We got to deal with what happened. I'm cool. I'm ready to move on. But you're down to 11. We got to deal with that. The scriptures had to be fulfilled. Somebody say it had to. Who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. This is scary church family because this shows me religious activity does not equate to saving faith. He's going out with Jesus, casting out devils with Jesus and the disciples, but he did not love Jesus. Judas had bought a field with money he received from his treasury. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of his death spread to all of the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name, Akeldama, which means field of blood. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So Peter, I'm thinking like, Peter's like, okay, I get it now. But you don't get it while they're kissing you. I get it now, but you don't get it while they're kissing you. He says, okay, this is something that was prophesied a long time ago that was going to happen, and now we have to replace them. Some of us, the reason you can't move forward is because, yes, you've forgiven them, but they haven't been replaced. I ain't going to church. I'm cool. I am the church. <laughs> okay? Just because... Somebody sang your favorite song wrong does not mean that the artist didn't have a good song. Just because there was somebody you called pastor that was a wolf does not mean all of us are, oh. And a lot of us can't move forward because we can't get over former. Let someone else take his place. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas, from among the men who were with us. Now he has some criteria. Okay, we have to choose a replacement. It has to be somebody who, who was with us the entire time. They traveled with us from the time Jesus was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. What is Peter saying? I have to choose somebody who has personal stock in this. They were there when he got baptized. They were there through the miracles, right? Not just anybody. Somebody who has a personal stock in this. So they nominated two men. Joseph, called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, Oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Look at the perspective. This was fulfilled to happen. He's gone from us. Now show us who has the right heart now. Let, let's, let's speak from this thought, from this subject, recovering from the kiss of Judas. I had the privilege of going to a pastor's conference back in March of this year. It's an amazing conference, a whole bunch of pastors, we came together. And this one pastor said, you know, when I kept going to the East Coast and coming back home, I would get sick. I'd be like, all congested. I didn't know what was going on. And I just thought the East Coast air was dirty. I just figured Atlanta's air was better. But when it kept happening over and over and over, I said to myself, this is too coincidental to be a coincidence. And so his wife told him, when is the last time you changed the air filter? So as he got 
the air filter, similar to this, it was filthy, dirty. And so what was designed to replace dirt, start blowing dirt in the atmosphere. What was designed to catch debris, start blowing debris. And it wasn't that the air on the East Coast was unclean. It's that the air where they were had so much debris of what would have gotten in their lungs that it was now filling their lungs. This is how a lot of our hearts look. You love Jesus, but there's debris on it. Debris of trauma. Debris of divorce. And so every time you come to small group, you're suspicious over everybody, not because of the leader, but because of your debris. The reason you can't interact with people without thinking somebody's trying to hurt you is not because of what they've done. It's because your debris is showing. Every single time God asks you to do something, you have to first book a session with your debris. And I wonder what the world would look like if our heart would have clean filters. And instead of us trying to be like culture, we actually become like Jesus. And we show the love because we don't have any debris. Somebody say debris. The debris of trauma. The debris of pain. Can I get us to say this confession? Everybody watching online, could you put this in a room in all caps? Can I get us to say, Father, Father heal, me heal me on the inside so I could love others as you've loved me. One more time. Father, Father heal, me heal me on the inside so I can love others, so love others as, you've loved me. as you've loved me. When we encounter you, do we first encounter the love of Jesus or do we encounter your debris? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we have reached a cruising altitude of this brand new sermon series that we have launched entitled, Love is. This series has been designed and constructed by the Holy Spirit to educate some, but then remind under others that the litmus test for the Christian, the fingerprint, the DNA of the Christian is not seen by our Christian post. It's not seen by our Christian apparel. It's not even seen by how much you quote scripture because baby, bebel, devils know the Bible too. Like, the enemy does not care that you've heard of Jesus. He just doesn't want you to start listening to Jesus and applying the teachings of Jesus and surrendering to Jesus and loving like Jesus. Please hear me. Application of Scripture is what terrifies hell, not your education of it. Did y'all hear me? <clears throat> it's not the education of scripture that terrifies hell. It's the application of it because we have a lot of demonic educated biblical scholars. It's not that the DNA, the DNA of the Christian, the chromosome of the Christian, four qualities, we talked about them last week, love, repentance, obedience, and giving God Glory, because we learn that the goal of every Christian is for us to be a biblical Christian, not Christian-ish. For you to lift your hands in worship and then use that same hand to flip somebody off in traffic. For you to lift your hands in worship and use those same hands to lay on your girl or your bride. That's not... Christian, that's Christian-ish. And Christian-ish is cannibalism to our witness. Did y'all hear what I just said? Being Christian-ish is cannibalism to our witness. I want to ask you this. If the majority of your beliefs, if the majority of your beliefs are contrary to the teaching of Christ and you claim to be a Christian, what does that say about your Christianity? 
I just don't believe that. I just don't. Well, I don't agree with that. You know, love is love. No, that's, that sounds good, but that's not sound or good. God is love, and the one who is love gives us commandments to follow to show love. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, I just don't agree with that. You a Christian? Yeah, I love Jesus. Okay. If your Christian beliefs are contrary to the teachings of Christ and you claim to be a Christian, what does that say about your Christianity? That's Christian-ish. And Christian-ish is cannibalism to our witness. Yeah, you know, all of us, we ain't there yet. You know, I understand that. God ain't through with me yet. Nobody can judge me. I'm called to ministry. I know what I'm supposed to do. All right. Um, respectfully, ma'am, sir, take several seats. Before you're called to ministry, you're first called to the altar. That's repentance. But before you're called to ministry, you're first called to devotion. That's intimacy with Jesus. Before you're called to ministry, you're called to love so that others could see the love of Jesus. It's all about God's glory, not ours. All right. So what we have to recognize, and this is what I started off by saying, there's a spirit of confusion that's plaguing the body of Christ right now. Hard. There's a spirit of confusion because confusion is a warfare strategy. Please hear me. If I could confuse in warfare, if I can confuse my adversary about my location, I will have them going the wrong way and focus on the wrong area where I could attack them in the right area. So if I can have them confused about their glory versus God's glory, they will chase influence, which causes for me to have a good shot to hit their intercession. Is this making sense? Because they're confused about whose glory it is, they're trying to get influence, I'm attacking their intercession. I know that's where the power is. I know that's where the joy is. I know that's where the hope is because I'm confused. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. This means sometimes he's destroying. Other times he's killing. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, sometimes even mentally. This is why we did Therapy Thursday. Don't believe everything you think because some thoughts aren't yours. There are Satan-induced ponders. So when Satan tells you something like, you won't surely die. For God knows if you eat this tree, you will be like him. And you believe that? You give joy to the enemy because he killed your proximity with Jesus. Sometimes he kills. Other times he steals. What Satan and hell is doing right now is stealing clarity, which is giving confusion. Y'all ready for this? And what makes it worse is you will get confused the more preaching you listen to by pastors. Western Hemisphere Christianity, if you want to be confused, listen to 50 different sermons by 50 different pastors. Some preach inspiration. Some actually preach impartation. Some preach things that sound good. Some actually preach sound biblical doctrine. Some preach give God honor, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Some preach the unholy trinity of you, me, myself, and I. That's the new age doctrine. Your miracle's coming. It's your season. It's your time. After the hell you've been through, your breakthrough's on the way, your glory. God's going to give you your best life now. You're, it's all about you. Some are scared to preach about abortion and homosexuality. I'm not scared to touch it. Racism and systemic injustice, poverty, stuff that the Bible is crystal clear on. Like, if you just preach the book, I don't have to give you my thoughts if I preach the word. Let God speak for himself. <laughs> preach the word. Not your theme or your brand that you're trying to get your congregation to believe. Yeah. Preach the Bible. God is crystal clear of his views over homosexuality. God is crystal clear with his views over abortion. I don't have to give you my opinion. I just submit to his. Some of us, some preaching, all of us going to hell. Your skirt, not to your kneecap, you're a demon. You didn't wear a suit, you don't love the Lord. You got facial hair, you ain't saved. 
You got makeup on your face, you're Beelzebub, you're Jezebel. You'll get confused. Am I telling the truth? So many people are confused about what is God's standard because everybody's given their interpretation versus what God actually said about the issue. Is this making sense? Confusion. Here's a question. If God is not the author of confusion, but that leaves you confused, who's authoring it? Somebody say confusion. Some of us in our relationships, we've experienced toxic confusion. You know what that is? That's the disorder where you can't leave them alone and can't treat them right either. Toxic confusion. Can't leave you alone, girl, but you won't treat me right. Confusion. Hear me. Confusion is hell's attempt to discredit the believer and strip power from the Christian. It is confusing when we try to get people to hear our profession, but they can't hear you because of how you treated them. It's confusing when we claim kingdom, but then mirror culture that produces the oxymoron entitled Christian atheism. When we claim to love God and know God, but live as though he doesn't exist. The DNA of the Christian. I'm going to say this all throughout this series. The chromosome of the biblical Christian Love, y'all talk to me, repentance, obedience, and giving God glory. We're supposed to love from our relationship with Jesus. Love and treat people from your relationship with Jesus, not treat them by what they did. Oh, if it weren't for Jesus, I would say something to you. But I'm loving and treating you by what Jesus did for me, not by what you did. I'm treating you from his love, not from my trauma or my debris. See, y'all, please hear me. I get it. I get it. I get it. This is why the devil uses betrayal. Because betrayal is his security deposit that you will never be that version of you again. Some of us said, I ain't never doing that again. I ain't never going. Okay, betrayal is infused with hurt. And he uses it to try to take that version of you. So you can never be that version of you again, but he knows you're going to need that version of you for your assignment. You're going to need that version of you for your purpose. You're going to need that version of you for your marriage. You're going to need that version of you for your future marriage. You're going to need that version of you for your calling. You're going to need that version for, of you as a parent, as a husband, as a wife. You're going to need it, but if I can get you so hurt by what they did, Betrayal is infused with hurt and unaddressed pain. The byproduct of unaddressed pain is to lose self. It's to lose self. It hurts. I know it hurts. I know it hurts when you're being bad mouth from mouths that you used to feed. I know it hurts. But if we don't recover and heal right, it will cause for debris to be on our heart. I know it hurts. When you're wiping the tears, when you've wiped the tears from people who are now causing yours. I know it hurts, but if we don't heal right and don't recover right, that will cause for there to be debris on our heart. I know it hurts when you've been knocked down by people that you're trying to help up. Can I tell y'all something I learned? Some people are so engulfed in darkness on the inside that they have to burn you just to see. There's so much darkness. It's not you. There's so much darkness on the inside of them that they have to burn you just so that they can see some light. I know it hurts, but if we don't heal and recover right, that will cause for there to be debris on our heart. I know it hurts when y'all used to be friends. Now all y'all are strangers who have similar memories. Yeah, that hurts, especially when Facebook is petty and pops up and share your memories. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? It hurts. We have to heal so that we don't end up using people to forget somebody because you're trying to find you again. This is so good, y'all. Heal. I want to use betrayal because I know it's infused with pain. And betrayal is my security deposit that they'll never be that version 
of themselves ever again because the body remembers. You could try all you want to to shove in that event, that pain, try to shove it in in the baggage of I'm cool, I'm straight, I'm good, bruh. You could try all you want to. All it takes is one letdown, one more pandemic, one more unfulfilled expectation, and that zipper of trying to hold it all together will break open. Isn't it crazy? The human tear weighs 0.75 or 1.1 millimeters. How is it something so light comes from something so heavy? So light. So how, how do we recover? I want to help y'all, okay? Because this helped me. Really, your healing is in your perspective shifting, all right? So number one, how do you heal? You have to understand Judas is an instrument, not your enemy. No, Pastor, I disagree. That was the devil. <laughs> Judas is an instrument, not your enemy. You know what Judas is? Judas is the person who's in your face and the face of your enemy too. Because if you think about it, if we look at our foundational text, Matthew 26, verse 48, it says the traitor Judas had given them a prearranged sign. Who is them? The chief priests, the elders, the people who really hated Jesus. We've been preaching this stuff wrong. The enemy of Samson wasn't Delilah. It was the Philistines. It's just that Delilah was an instrument that the Philistines were using to get to Samson. Hear me, when the devil cannot get to you, he will start using those who can. Just an instrument. And so now it makes sense why Jesus called Judas friend. Did y'all catch that? In verse 50, when he said, friend, do what you've come to do. Now it makes sense why Jesus called Judas friend. Because friends are instrumental in helping you fulfill purpose. Y'all missed it. Judas is not your enemy. He's an instrument. The reason Jesus can call Judas friend is because friends are instrumental in helping you fulfill purpose. A lot of people we've been calling friends are really foes. And all the people, yeah, they hurt me. That was actually instrumental in giving you a prayer life. That was actually instrumental in causing you to be the church. Look at you now praying before you make a selection, seeking God's direction. You didn't do that before that. You didn't do that before that. Look how they made you fast. Look how they made you start seeking God's face. Now, as I'm preaching, you're starting to hear this sound, right? I want you to just start being louder. Because Judas is not an enemy. He's an instrument. Somebody say instrument. Okay, now I want to help us heal. Stop playing. I want to help us heal because a lot of us are mad at pianos. This is so good. Y'all got to get this. You got to get this. Keep playing, Torrance. There's something distracting me from teaching right now. You hear this sound and you're mad at your piano. The piano could be your mama. The piano could be an ex. The piano could be a pastor. The piano could be your divorce. But what do you look like? Stop playing, Torrance. Mad at pianos versus actually blaming the pianist. This is so good, man. Look, look. How do I heal? It's when you recognize Judas is just this. But the enemy is Torrance. Sorry, Torrance. <laughs> now it makes sense why in Ephesians 6 when Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood is this making sense you are bitter over a piano stuck because of a piano whatever the piano goes by whatever the name is you can fill in the blank but I want you to remember a lot of the things that are hurting us is the piano, and we're not looking at the pianist. 
It makes it easier for me to forgive when I know you're being used by torrents. This is so good, y'all. Somebody say, Judas is an instrument, not your enemy. Number two, Judas helps you fulfill your assignment. I promise this will shift your perspective. When I got betrayed real bad in 2018, ooh, I wouldn't take that back because of the wisdom I have now. It helps you fulfill your assignment. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 13. I want us to get this because I understand the enemy wants us so caught up with who did it that we miss how fulfilled we are now in Christ. Look, look, pain is going to be a part of the plan. But if we miss the plan because of who handed us the pain, we'll never see God's hand in it. Look at how Jesus says it. John chapter 13, verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But that scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Jesus right here is quoting Psalms 41 verse 9. So he's saying, Judas is helping me fulfill my purpose. You don't get resurrection without Judas. You don't get salvation without Judas. You don't get redeemed without Judas. You don't get justification without Judas. Who are you blaming as a piano, but they're actually helping something be fulfilled in your life? Peter understood it. Acts chapter 1, verse 16. Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas. So here it is. Judas helps you fulfill destiny. Disciples are for your legacy. Judas, you want to heal? They help fulfill something. Anytime a Judas shows up in your life, something in you has to die. That's the whole purpose. They're there to get some part of you on the cross. Your pride, your entitlement, your arrogance, something in you has to die. So God has chosen for this individual to help that die. But they're not your enemy. They are an instrument. Number three, Judas comes before next level power. Is there anybody who's experiencing betrayal right now? Raise your hand. Y'all got a next level power coming. Thank you for getting it. You don't get Pentecost before you get Judas replaced. I have to heal and handle this right. Because if I don't, I'm not choosing Justice or Matthias. All of y'all fake. It's making sense. Number four, acknowledge it hurt. Acting hard is hard. I've tried to act hard before. I'm one of those dudes, I don't have no shame admitting it. Acting hard, and then you starting to cry. <laughs> you good? Yeah. What's wrong? Nothing, bro. <laughs> Acting hard is hard. Acknowledge that it hurt. But don't blame them and stay stuck in the hurt. Or you'll be like that dirty filter. Acknowledge, God, this disappointed me. A lot of us, you know what's hurting you the most right now? Your idea of where you should be. I thought by now I would have. I thought by now you would have. I thought by now it could have. And so all of these could have, would have, all of these things are having us upset at God. And God's trying to get us to understand this is your ideas that you're mad at, not me. You have projected your idea on me and expected me to meet your deadline. And now you're saying that I'm not answering your prayers when your idea is not my will. I know I came today to help. I know. Number five, we're going to end with this. Praying for them prevents hardness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus says, but I say to you, love your friends. Nobody caught us. I'm going to keep saying it. But I say to you, love your friends. Love your friends. 
Y'all, are y'all looking? I'm going to keep saying it so y'all get it. Love your friends, enemies. So I'm going to say it again and y'all correct me so y'all can get it. Love your friends. Okay, thank you. Where were y'all at? All right. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who bless you. Nope. Bless those who curse you. So good. Somebody blow their horn on you. Ooh, flip you off. God bless you. <laughs> oh, everyone for Jesus. Bless those who curse you. Look, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You show yourself off as a son of the Father when they're cursing you but you're blessing them. You're showing yourself off as a Christian when they're doing wrong to you and you do right to them. Why is this so difficult? It's because we've been hearing so much preaching about you. You don't take that. I love Jesus and all, but I ain't standing for that. Try Jesus, not me, because I fight. (laughs) So we hear stuff like, yeah, I could correlate to that, but that's not what the Bible tells us to be. Can I tell you something? Nobody can fight for Jerry like God. Nobody. I went to a church a few weeks ago. Some of y'all may know about it. People start talking about me because I went there. I preached what God told me to preach. I prayed. I got counsel from my elders. And this is something that God wanted me to do. I don't just take invitations just because of an opportunity. I really want to be spirit-led. I know what it feels like to make a decision that God didn't tell you to do, and you have to recover from that decision or try to lie and act like it was God, but that wasn't him. I don't want to experience that anymore. People start saying stuff about me, and, oh, I can't believe this about you, and, oh, I thought you were this, and, oh, I thought you were that. I wanted to say, I promise, with my phone, because the, the unredeemed part of me likes to be petty. Okay? I'm just being honest. The unredeemed part of me likes to, oh, you want to talk about mamas. Oh, oh, that's me. (laughs) Telling the truth. I I wanted to say stuff. And then, like, if I could just be transparent, I would click on the profile of the person who said something. Y'all ever did that? Okay. I feel like there's some real people. No, I'm too saved for that. Pray for y'all. Okay. I would click on the pray- profile, see them like clubbing and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want to, I know you're not talking. <laughs> in, in that moment, Holy Spirit reminds you, if the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. I got called Beelzebub. I'm I'm eating with tax collectors. I'm having a woman wash my my feet who has a reputation of sexual immorality. And the church people said he can't be a prophet because if he was a man of God, he would know the woman who's touching him is unclean. They said things about me. I know you're not going to dis like misrepresent me because of some comments. Who gave you oxygen on today? Who saved your soul from an everlasting hell? Who's being good to you? Who gave you a beautiful bride? Who's blessing you? Are you going to misrepresent me because of a profile picture from somebody who doesn't know you and you're going to set them straight after I just told you he said it straight and I was reminded in that moment if God before me who could be against me 
So I, I say this because I, I really want us to get it. When you are a biblical Christian, people will not like you. Your witness will be offensive. If everybody likes you, you probably don't. Because it's hard to become a different version of you to be accepted by different cliques. And it was my experience with my Judases in 2018 that kept me in that moment from saying some comments that didn't represent the kingdom. Sword fights don't work. You understand the Bible is called a sword? So fighting scripture with scripture with Christians, that doesn't work. It just causes more division. Sword fights don't work. Who can fight for me best? My God. And I want, I, I pray that you hear and see my heart. Whoever it is who has been hurt, upset, mom, ex, divorce, whatever it is, let it go today. Let it go. Let it go on today. Let it go. How do you recover? They're an instrument. That's not your enemy. How, how do you recover? They fulfilled an assignment. Peter said, they have gone from us. They're done. They did what they were supposed to do. And you have to understand this. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called by his name. As painful as it was for Judas to kiss Jesus, all of us right now are benefiting from Judas' kiss. All of us. So when, when we get a larger facility, I'll do it, but right now we're not large enough. So I, I just want to do this because I feel led to. Where you are, we can't all come to the altar. I miss crowded altars. But if, you are, have been, have you, if you've been battling with bitterness, unforgiveness, or you just want answers because of what a Judas did, I just want you to stand so I can pray for you. That's it. We ain't forget who's looking around. This is for you. This is your moment. This is your moment. Your moment of putting this before God. Whoever it is, I want to shift your perspective. Whatever their name is, their person, this is what I want you to hear. Jesus loves them. You don't have to repeat after me. I want you to see them different. Jesus loves them. He died for them. And if they repent, we're all going to be together in heaven. They're going to be right there next to you. Same grace you and I got, they're going to they're get too. It could be somebody who molested you, raped you, lied on you, hurt you, sold you out, ghosted you, whatever it is. In this moment, look around the room. I want you to see that you're not the only one struggling with a Judas. We're going to let it go. So if, if you would, just, just lift your hands. This is not scripted. It's just a spirit-led moment. Hands are lifted not out of religion, but just saying, I surrender. So, God, in this moment, we, we, we acknowledge it hurt. You know the story of the man, of the woman whose hands are lifted, who have cried on their pillowcase, who have tried to hide the tears, who feel a tightness in their chest when they see their name on social media or a call. We don't want to carry that anymore. We want to be free. All bitterness does is contaminate the container. God, we want to let it go. We want to let it go. We're asking that you shift our perspective, that you love them just like you love me. And if you could be nailed on the cross and while you're dying, if you could say, forgive them for they know not what they do. Give me the strength to forgive whoever it was who hurt me. I don't want debris to go forth before your love does. I don't want to be a clogged conduit anymore on this day. 
the sixth month of this 2023 calendar year, I want it to be said, I laid it at the altar on today. It won't, it won't haunt me anymore. It won't plague me anymore. I know it takes a process. Sometimes healing is messy. But God, far be it from me if they don't see me as a messenger because I'm still bound by the mess. And God, help me to forgive me too. For not listening to your warnings. For not seeing your signs. For disobeying your voice and suffering for it. You promised me that you restore the years that the canker worm has stolen. That doesn't mean you're going to give us more time. It just means what you could do with the time we have left can equal what you were going to do the first time you told us. We lay it down on today. Broken. Still hurting. We're asking that you heal us. In Jesus' name. Amen.